0: This is Farms Food Future, a podcast that's good for you, good for the planet and good for farmers. Brought to you by the International Fund for Agricultural Development. I'm Brian Thompson. And co-presenting this edition, I'm Ian Smith. In this month's edition, we'll be focusing on International Women's Day 2022. The theme is gender equality today for a sustainable tomorrow. We'll be talking to IFAD's gender and social inclusion lead Ndaya Belchica. Additionally, our
1: intrepid reporter, Miguel Tehran, has been talking to the projects that won the 2021 IFAD Gender Awards you have reports from Tunisia, Nigeria, Kenya, Nicaragua,
0: and the Philippines. And finally, we'll be hearing from a Buddhist nun in South Korea known as the Philosopher Chef. She has an interesting take on sustainable food systems. Don't forget that we want to hear from you what you think about our stories and who you want us to be talking to. So please get in touch with us at podcasts at ifad.org. And you can subscribe to this podcast via your favourite podcast platform and please rate us. This
1: is Farms Food Future. I'm Ian Smith, and with me is Brian Thompson. Promoting gender equity and empowering women is indispensable for eradicating rural poverty and hunger. In every project that IFAD undertakes, gender inequality is factored in.
0: Undaya Belchicka is IFAD's lead technical specialist for gender and social inclusion. She told our reporter Miguel Turan about the importance of International Women's Day in highlighting ongoing gender inequality.
2: I'm always surprised to know that some people need convincing about celebrating women's achievement while calling to action for accelerating equality between men and women. Overall, women represent about half of humanity or 3.9 billion people, and yet they do not have their fair share of assets, resources, or services. So yes... Um, Progress has been made, but much remains to be done. And let's take a look at the case of the COVID-19 pandemic, for instance. So evidence from Brazil, Chile, Costa Rica, and Mexico shows that partnered women with children have lost more jobs than men, particularly women living with children under six years of age. Also, only 4% of the clinical studies on COVID-19 treatments consider sex and or gender in their research. As an example, as of the 1st of January, 2021, the global average of women in national parliament was only 25.6%. So at the current rate, parity will not be achieved before 2061. So now on climate change, it is all recognized that extreme weather events, changes will continue. So according to the World Health Organization, women are more likely to die as a result of natural disaster, such as drought, floods, and storms. And despite all of this, women are not sufficiently prioritizing country commitments linked to climate action. For instance, only 64 out of the 190 nationally determined contribution to climate goals, or the NDC, refers to women. And lastly, if we want to look at the context of agriculture, globally, women do about half of the work. And while 164 countries recognize their right to own, use, and make decisions about land on equal terms with men, only 52 countries guarantee these rights in practice. So yes, a call to action for greater equality between women and men is not a luxury, but is a necessity.
3: How have you seen prejudice manifest itself to you?
2: Okay, so, well, I sit at the intersection of multiple factors of vulnerability. I am a woman, I'm Black, I'm a single parent, and I speak English with an accent. So yes, I have experienced discrimination because of my gender, race, marital status, and the way I speak. So prejudice can result in unfair treatment, violation of rights, violence, or even death. So now in the context of the work of IFAD, uh, social cultural norms, which perpetuate the subordinate status of women because of their gender, is also a form of prejudice. More specifically, gender-based violence, which can take many forms and include sexual, physical, mental, and economic harm inflicted in public or in private, is a form of prejudice. It is estimated that one in three women would experience sexual or th- physical violence in their lifetime. And as we are seeing an increase in the number of conflicts around the world, the threat of GBV, gender-based violence, significantly increases for women and girls. A second form of prejudice is the exclusion of women from decisions that affect their lives or their daily lives, and their equal access to resources and assets are also forms of prejudice, and they result in higher incidence of poverty for women. So, as an example, small-scale farmer households that are headed by women earn on average 30% less than those headed by men. So, prejudice can take many forms, but the commonality amongst them is that they all do harm.
3: The commission of the status of women is taking place now. What are their main
2: areas of concern? So, The Commission of Status of Women has two themes. The priority one is achieving gender equality and the empowerment of all women and girls in the context of climate change, environmental and disaster risk reduction policies and programs. And the review theme is women's economic empowerment in the changing world of work. So we see that the main areas of concern are the effects on women and girls of climate change, environmental degradation and disasters. So in that context, it's important to recall that the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change Report for 2021 states that weather changes will continue to cause, one, agricultural and ecological droughts, second, frequent and more intense heat and cold waves, and third, extreme rain and sea level rises and flooding. In other words, the pressure on the ecosystems that women depend on will intensify. It is also noted that changing climate is a risk multiplier, particularly for the poor. Three quarters of the world's poorest and most undernourished women and men live in rural areas in developing countries and most earn a living from working in the food system which is under threats by climate change. As a result, urgent action is required in multiple ways, but more specifically in the forms of policies and programs for a just transition and a strengthened focus on climate adaptation. These actions are required and necessary for sustainable development and food security.
0: We'll hear more from Undaya later in this episode. She'll be talking about IFAD's plans to address gender inequality. Up next, we head over to Central America to speak to one of IFAD's Gender Award winners. This is Farms Food Future with me, Brian Thompson, and Ian Smith. Project Nica Vida was named the Gender Award winner for the Latin America and Caribbean division. This program, based in Nicaragua, has worked with local authorities to empower rural women and to achieve equity in decision-making and household work. Our reporter, Miguel Teran, had the chance to talk
1: with Rosa Argentina, the project's gender focal point. She explained the value of providing financial education to rural women and the effect that it has had on gender equality overall in her community.
4: First of all, the Nicaraguan constitution recognises equality between men and women. From there we have a legal framework that supports the fact that both women and men have the same rights and the same opportunities. Therefore, all the actions of society and the government aim to work for gender equity and equality. This is why there are several projects developing in our country, including project NicaVida. One of the ways to achieve this equity is by giving women, and especially rural women, the correct tools in education, so they can prosper and develop themselves economically.
3: What role do the strategic partnerships like governments and local institutions have to have to make a project like this succeed?
4: For this project, we are following the policies and strategies of the Nicaraguan government and the Ministry of Family Economy which is in charge of the Nicaragua project. We perform following inter-institutional strategies and alliances such as the Nicaraguan Institute of Agricultural Technology, the Ministry of the Environment and Natural Resources, the Ministry of the Family, the Ministry of Agriculture and all the Mayor's offices in the territories where the project operates. The cooperation of all these institutions has formed the national system of production, consumption and trade. Based on these alliances, different strategies and policies are shared in order to carry out these rural development processes and, above all, to promote gender equity policies and strategies with rural families in Nicaragua's dry corridor. We work internally with the Ministry of Family Economy to reactivate family farming, to add value to their products, encourage associativity in the community and enhance small businesses. This is because all the families that are part of this project, especially women and young people, have to do with family production. Our project looks to generate higher income and to improve the diet and nutrition of the families.
3: Why have you integrated Nutrition Security Training with the Gender Strategy?
4: This is because Nikavida is a rural development project that integrates all rural families, mainly in those communities that are in areas known as the Dry Corridor. This means that these are areas where there is hardly any rain and where food production is important for the families, with an emphasis on rural women, pregnant women and children. The actions developed by the project, for example food production, are aimed to improve the diets of these rural families. The project has three approaches. The first one, as I already mentioned, is the nutritional theme. Another approach is the improvement of the income of the families through the commercialization of the products that these rural families produce on their land. And the third element is to promote practical actions for resilience against climate change. These are the three fundamental approaches by which Nikovida operates. Rural women are widely involved in all the actions and strategies that are promoted in the framework of the project. More than 60% of all participants of this project are rural women. They collaborate in many different ways, like in food production or in the improvement of their family's diet.
3: Internships or temporary work, what's the plan to help women get jobs with permanent contracts?
4: Firstly, the actions that the project promotes seek the sustainability of the ones that participate in it. This sustainability refers to the fact that, for example, the food production they carry out on their lands is sustainable, so they can maintain their seeds, but also it has to do with the organizational part. That is to say that the people organize themselves to ensure sustainability. The other key element is the generation of income. The actions they carry out both in the production and commercialization of their products, apart from generating their own employment, they also generate employment for other people. In many cases, due to the type of economic activity, these are temporary jobs, but we are working towards creating more permanent jobs. Many of the economic opportunities women have come from the gastronomic area. Bakeries, confectionery works, fishing or sewing are some of the economic activities that allow women to obtain income and have an equal access to those resources that allow them to activate or reactivate their economy so that they can guarantee both their employment and the future employment of their family members or other members of their community.
1: That was Rosa Argentina. Please tune in to any of our 29 podcasts and nearly 280 reports from across the world of Farms, Food, Future. In episode 26, we did a deep dive into the blue economy in East and Southern Africa episode 27, we heard from Ifad
0: Goodwill ambassadors Idris and Sabrina Elba. And in episode 28, we look to what the future holds in 2022 and all things innovative. Next month in episode 30, we'll be celebrating biodiversity as the UN gets ready for the Convention on Biological Diversity, COP15, in Kunming, China. Coming up, more gender forward thinking project winners, this time from Kenya. This
1: is Farms Food Future. Our next Gender Award winner is from Kenya, and Miguel Turan has this report.
3: Winning the IFAD Gender Award for the Eastern and Southern Africa is the Upper Tanakachman Natural Resources Management Project in Kenya. The main focus of this project is the management and rehabilitation of natural resources and the drive to achieve gender equality. Ashoi As Mathenge, Gender focal point of the project explains choosing where water well is going to be constructed has a direct effect on gender issues.
5: That way the infrastructure is gender friendly and therefore they will use less time in actually uh, getting the water. So that way they actually have more time left to engage in more productive
3: activities. But there are more ways to achieve it.
5: Both men and women need to be included in the decision-making organ of that uh, rehabilitated infrastructure, where women have a voice on how do we continue sustaining this infrastructure. And again, uh, once the infrastructures or the system is rehabilitated, discussions come at the household level. The issue of making decisions on land, access, and control of what is going to be done actually becomes a household discussion, Empower and gender equality of women at the household level start trickling slowly.
3: Another interesting perspective of this project is the introduction of the Gender Action Learning System, or GALS. At first, there were a few problems. Joy explains why.
5: Once all the households have been able to uh, understand the concept of this household methodology, that is girls, the attitude of men towards women, and especially on issues of household responsibilities, has changed.
3: But eventually, men started to collaborate more on household duties. But that's not all.
5: We have seen them incorporate their spouses in bank accounts, incorporating them in title deeds. Where in the social context, it was not necessary because the man uh, is the custodian of the land. So there is a paradigm shift, even in ownership of family assets. And that is a huge transformation where now men are able to incorporate their spouses in the household assets. And therefore, it is transformed in the decision making. So the paradigm shift where women were just watching or just doing the work uh, without consultation with their spouses has really changed upon introduction of the girls' methodology.
3: This project also introduced a 24-hour gender calendar. This involves sitting down with all men and women
5: and uh, bring out the roles each does upon waking up in the 24-hour daily calendar. That is, what does a man do from morning to evening? What does a woman do from morning to evening?
3: Results show that women work longer during the day than men.
5: Because they are the women who will wake up early in the morning, prepare breakfast for the family, go and feed the animals. They will again go at prayer, food for lunch for their families, again go back and start looking to make food for dinner, and they will still have to go for community engagement where they are members of women groups.
3: Thanks to this calendar, the community understood the existing inequality in household work and men started to take over some of the responsibilities. Gender-focused projects have to overcome existing social norms within communities where men have a higher social status than women. But in this project, things are moving forward.
5: When men understand the concept of gender mainstreaming, and this specifically we are looking at gender action learning system, they become the best promoters of gender mainstreaming because they understand uh, how our, our partners, women, participating? Are we giving them too much workload? So men become the best champions of gender mainstreaming approach once they understand that concept.
3: It's also important to analyse a community before implementing a project. That way we know how to correctly address everyone so gender projects are successful. As Joy explains, we have to engage at all levels.
5: From the very lowest level to the highest level so that those issues or those ideas are able to be internalized by the sections of the community and then we also understand that once men and women understand the issues of gender mainstreaming it is easier to actually allocate resources that are able to promote the issues of both men and women because the inclusion of women in decision-making means that they have a voice on what and which areas can we allocate resources to ensure both men and women are taken care of.
1: That was Joy Matenge, ending that report from Miguel tiron
0: Up next, we have news from the Philippines. This is Farms Food Future with me, Brian Thompson and Ian Smith. Now we have Rhine Joy, the gender focal point of IFAD's Gender Award winner for the Asia and Pacific region, talking about the Fisheries, Coastal Resources and Livelihoods, or Fish Coral Project. This program was created to manage and educate rural fisherfolk to develop the value chain, but it also has a gender perspective to close the existing gap between men and women. At the moment, it is fulfilling its goals as more fisher organizations
1: have been created. And now, 42% of the leaders are women. Miguel Terran spoke to Ryan Joy.
6: The Fish Coral Project is actually a work towards um, transforming fishers in project-covered areas into giving opportunity to equal opportunity to rural men and women. Um, the project has successfully assisted 13 fisher groups to launch their own enterprises. And then 41 of these uh, um, fishing groups that are currently involved in the, um, the Aqua-based Business School with a Gender and Climate Change Perspective, or ABS-GCC. And then another notable impact that the project has already done is that we have encouraged fisher organizations to give equal opportunities for um, women to participate actively and be involved in decision-making in the fishing organizations and then we did this by continuously conducting a gender awareness campaign in every village and then the project also has established that um, out of the 8,314 of the fishing organization leaders, there are actually 42% who are women leaders. Slowly, we are um, already encouraging men and women to be actively involved in community activities and, of course, in decision-making. And then we also noted that um, women are already taking non-traditional positions or roles in the community because we um, can see visibility by women in the community. So I think those are the um, impact that we can already note of of this time with the project.
3: Can you explain the work of the Bureau of Fisheries and Aquatic Resources, BFAR, and why is it important for this project?
6: Okay, so um, just a bit of a background. Fish Coral Project is a special project attached in the implementing agency, which is the Bureau of Fisheries and Aquatic Resources, or BFAR. So BFAR is is responsible for the development, improvement, management, and conservation of the country's fishery and aquatic resources. So in the Fish Coral Project, BFAR provides its um, expertise on fisheries and coastal resource management, including procurement, uh, production, and also value addition. Um, the Fish Coral Project, which is ending on um, December 2021, and BFAR being the lead implementing agency, will be the one to continue the project's um, activities.
3: What may you adapt the aqua-based business call to a more gender and climate change perspective approach?
6: So after a series of um, interview, consultations, and then we reviewed the, the curriculum of the said approach and its methodology. So the project decided to adopt the approach as it capacitates the fisher on a step by step process through guiding the fishers toward a market oriented learning and actions because we see that um, this is the gap in developing enterprises. Um, mostly, what's being provided is just the support on the um, production level or it's just the supply, but um, the support just ends there. So that's um, that's why we adopted this approach so that we could also uh, teach our fisher groups on how to um, establish their supply and also their market. So um, this is also a good approach because it does not only focused on um, developing the value chain but um, it is also integrated with a gender perspective as it considers gender balance in all of its activities and um, it also promotes um, equal opportunity for both men and women to have different roles in the value chain so it does not limit women to just um, processing but uh, we also encourage them to be involved in a non-traditional roles in the value chain.
3: And lastly, talking again about non-traditional uh, positions for women. What have been the main changes in the community after women have emerged as the new community leaders?
6: It is, um, how do I say this, um, very fulfilling to see that women actually are becoming more than just a mother and a wife. Um, Not that there is something wrong about it, but it's just um, very fulfilling for the project uh, to see that women became more um, active and productive member of the community. So women now are becoming entrepreneurs. They are involved in um, coastal resources or fish sanctuary um, development activities or management. And um, you could also see that they participate across the fishery value chains, And um, there are also increasing women leaders in uh, um, different councils that the project is actually supporting too. Um, In short, women are taking up non-traditional roles and working actively outside the household chores. And then um, it is also outstanding to see that uh, there has been a notable increase in Um, awareness and support of men and giving opportunity for women to participate and lead. So they are not just limiting their wives or their daughters into um, being um, someone who stays in the household, but they are also the one empowering and then supporting these women to participate in different community activities so those are the um, main changes that we could already see in the community right now
1: that was ryan joy of the fish coral project in the philippines coming up we have one more winner this time from nigeria the value chain development program in nigeria was named gender award winner in the west and central africa region the project has two main goals to empower women and to achieve gender equality in this community by opening up market opportunities
0: for women. Our next speaker, Musa Dalang, gender focal point of the program, explains how they've made the change.
7: For us to change the present dynamics, what we are doing, what we want what to continue, first we will have to sensitize traditional rulers, we sensitize religious leaders, because most Challenges that women have are either religious or traditional, cultural. So we need to sensitize these two stakeholders, traditional rulers, religious leaders, about the need to have to allow women to get empowered. Number two, we need to also sensitize the husbands. They have the men or the need to empower women. And then we will sustain sensitization of the women themselves to come out and participate in development projects to get empowered.
3: Okay, next question. How important is to train and strengthen women-only groups in order to make sure gender-orientated programs succeed?
7: Uh, We've discovered that uh, women who belong to women-only groups, they express themselves more, they socialize better, they open up to themselves. And so if we train women-only groups, We capacitate them properly. We are very likely to create or bring on board more women to benefit from the offerings of projects. Because wherever they are made, they are shy to talk. They they don't talk. They don't open up. But in only women groups, they are free. They open up to themselves. They express themselves. They talk freely. And so, and that in fact prompted our emphasizing the formation of women only groups. We form a lot of them so that we bring out more women to be able to access the benefits that our program provides. So, if we capacitate women only groups, we are very likely to empower more women.
3: How does this project overcome the traditional institutions, policies and structural barriers that have made women unable to participate in economical activities till now?
7: It will be just like I said in the first question, but we need to pay advocacy visits to the custodians of the cultures, the traditional rulers, and the custodians of their faiths, the religious leaders, to sensitize them about the need to have women empowered to to, to relax, to be more flexible on some of the constraints that are constraining women, religious or cultural, from coming out to access benefits of program, because most of the problems are tied to religion or culture. And where we have issue of policies, we can advocate to the legislators, to the State House of Assembly, the National Assembly about the need to empower women. And very important, the husbands, their husbands, the men need to be sensitized, need to understand the benefits that they stand to get if their wives or their women are empowered. So when we succeed in that, and the women are allowed to participate in development projects, it goes to relieve the men of so many things. It helps them in their household when the woman has something. And we realize that women, the little they have, they are willing to spend it in their household. And that is very very important to help to assist the husband. All they need is to be sensitive to, to create the needed awareness about women empowerment.
3: And lastly, what have been the main benefits of the formation of Women Led Commodity Alliance Forum or CAF?
7: Yes, when you have women in leadership, like it's like it builds the confidence of the other women that they see their colleagues as leaders, and so it makes them, it increases their participation, they are free. They feel free to contribute to such sessions. That is a woman who is leading, is a woman like them. She talks to them freely, they understand themselves, they are freer to talk with other than a man in the personal leadership. So when the women are the leaders, it builds confidence in the women and it increases their participation, they contribute their ideas, And that strengthens it. And wherever we have women in leadership too, the aspect of accountability, integrity, transparency, and trust is guaranteed because most of them, they have those qualities, unlike men. So we are always, we are trying to bring up more women to participate in leadership of the CAF because it's giving us good results for the purpose of accountability and transparency.
0: That was Musa Dalang from the Value Chain Development Programme in Nigeria. Coming up, our final winner will be crossing to Tunisia. This is Farms Food Future with me, Brian Thompson, and Ian Smith. Salma Jalula is director of the Prodaphil Project, which is the winner of IFAD's 2021 Gender Award for the Near East, North Africa and Europe division.
1: From Tunisia, this project strives to give women more work opportunities, which translates into more decision-making power and gender parity. Our reporter, Miguel Turan asked Salma how the training in agricultural activities led to the empowerment of women in her community.
4: The training and support provided by the project Prodefil to the women has enabled them to master the management and conduct of different works. This helps women to emancipate and grants them more freedom as well as increasing their income and well-being of their homes and families. This emancipation offers a better social status for women and a greater power of dialogue.
3: How important are poultry farms where domestic birds like chicken and ducks are raised to achieve gender equality in Tunisia?
4: The economic emancipation of women has led to a better social status for women, more power of dialogue within their households, and decision-making power within their communities. In addition, the number of women who have become members of professional associations and civil society has increased since the start of Project Protofil. This has had a snowball effect as we have seen the same patterns of success with other women independently of the project. All this leads to a gender-transforming community where women takes part in more roles in public life, making our society a step closer to equity.
3: What have been the main benefits achieved by women accessing income-generating activities (IGA) and small-medium enterprises (SME)?
4: Since the beginning of the project, women in Tunisia have been introduced to new activities and institutions that have helped them join the economical market. Some of the most notable benefits have been for example giving women the knowledge to develop useful skills for them to be able to reach new job opportunities. This has increased their employability especially from the most educated women. At the same time this has had other positive outcomes on women's lives like the improvement of their income that has had a direct effect on the well-being and nutrition of themselves and their families. As I mentioned before, all these changes have made women open up more their social and economic environment.
3: What has been the outcome of introducing women to traditionally male activities like camel breeding or woodworking?
4: Women have demonstrated their capacity to perform predominantly male activities as well as men do. The positive results of women doing these activities has changed the attitudes men had before and have changed their perception of the abilities women have. There's also been a snowball effect that has drawn seven women into men's activities. This success has increased women's confidence on their own capacities and has helped them to take up other activities that before were dominated by men, creating new job opportunities for women.
1: Thanks to Sama Jaluli. Next, we'll be talking to a Buddhist nun racking up the changes for sustainable cookery in South Korea. Jung Kwan is a Zen Buddhist nun and also a well-known chef of Korean cuisine. She grew up in Yeongju, South Korea, where her parents had a small farm. Jung Kwan decided to become a nun when she was 17, after her mother passed away.
0: Jung Kwan has become famous in Korea as a philosopher-chef, not only for her sustainable vegan recipes, but also for her pure and sincere approach towards cooking. Our reporter Yeon Han met up with Jong Kwan at Baikyang Sa Temple in South Korea. She talked about her experience in cooking and farming and had clear messages about the importance of sustainable food systems. First of all, Yeon asked about the characteristics of Buddhist temple food.
8: Temple food is a link that connects the mental and physical energy of monks while they are training. Throughout the four seasons, we rely on nature to get seasonal ingredients, then ferment the leftovers to eat for the next season. It is a sustainable recipe that allows you to spend the whole life of a plant together during the four seasons. I heard that you grow your own ingredients and cook with them. As both a chef and a farmer, what should be the most important thing to consider when cooking? Farming is getting to know the ingredients. With farming, we can realize how the climate and the universe change, how my life works, and how both my life and nature are deeply related. Farming means that you are with the things that form you. Therefore, cooking with ingredients from them is to share the growth process of nature as I have gone through. Farming and cooking always go together with nature. Usually, farmers' minds are always focused on the farming cycle. They share their energy with the crops and are always worried if the crops will be stepped on, seeds will ripen early, be torn by the winds, or etc. Therefore, when you cultivate massively with machines, it is necessary to consider the loss of energy that we share with the crops. This is why I recommend growing foods such as peppers or eggplants at home rather than growing flowers. Only when you realize how farming is done, you will know the hard work of farmers, the importance of climate and nature, and how important my attitude towards food is. I wish people to grow and cook foods that give this enlightenment to other people. Have you noticed any changes in the environment as a result of the climate change which affects the ingredients you grow or cook with? It should rain or snow when it has to, and sunlight when we need it. But the climate seems to be somewhat angry these days, and this is the result what we have caused. We need to realize this. When I get sick, the whole world gets sick, and when the climate and nature get sick, I get sick. We are also beasts who rely entirely on nature. Recently I headed down to my farm to harvest cabbages for kimchi, but none of them were able to eat. I've never seen a cabbage in so much by box. Not only me, but also nationwide. This problem has led to a significant increase in cabbage prices this year. Small changes in nature have a great influence on humans. Within these changes, what efforts should we put into practice for future generations and sustainable food systems? Do not eat unfairly processed food. You should eat something that has died naturally. To reduce carbon emissions, we should minimize raising livestock excessively and unethically for human convenience. Also, we should reject using chemical fertilizers, which may cause waterway pollution and degradation of soil health. If you start growing foods by yourself, you can share your energy with food entirely and see the world more clearly. Your clear spirit belongs to the universe and becomes one with nature. To do so, individuals around the world should change first. Every consumer and farmer should reverse their thoughts and consider not only each other's position, but also nature's words. People are too lazy to consider climate change and proper farming. Due to excessive dependence on machines, they have no idea how the natural environment circulates and at what temperature the seeds sprout. Farmers should know science, politics, and economy to farm properly. This means those who do not form should also know how to form. What does cooking mean to you? Cooking is a means for me to protect the principles and laws of my life. Cooking is the process of knowing the essence of where the ingredients come from and where I come from. Therefore, the two essences become one within cooking. Making a whole world as a bunch of one flower is what cooking and food ultimately mean. Do you have any messages for International Women's Day? I'm a human being. Men and women, males and females, are just logical sense of nature. Each must be faithful to its own life. Male and female are what we have made to distinguish. So, each of them has the same amount of energy. I don't have a concept of a woman. I'm just a human being. I'm a monk. There are no men and women in getting to know oneself.
0: That was Jong Kwan talking to our reporter Doyon Han. And you can find out more about Jong Kwan's recipes by going to her YouTube channel, Jong Kwan's Temple Food. Up next, Ndaya is back with more on International Women's Day. This is Farms Food Future. We're back again with IFAD's Ndaya Belchica. This time, she'll be talking about IFAD's plans to address gender inequality
1: in its projects. Miguel Turan asked her about the theme for International Women's Day this year and how IFAD is working on it.
2: So the theme for International Women's Day this year is Equality Today for Sustainable Tomorrow recognizing the contribution of women and girls around the world who are leading the charge on climate change adaptation, mitigation, and response to build a more sustainable future for all. So that is that is a mouthful, but I think it's important because we know that small-scale farmer, of which approximately 50% of women, produce around a third of the global food supply. And despite being vital for global food security, and despite having contributed the least to the climate crisis, smallholder farmers and poor rural people bear the brunt of climate change and the degradation of natural resources. Women are increasingly being recognized as more vulnerable to climate change impacts than Pakistan men, as they constitute the majority of the world's poor and are more dependent on the natural resources, which climate change threatens the most. So building a sustainable future for all requires investing in climate change adaptation and mitigation. But when we look at collectively what women and more generally small-scale producers receive, we know that they are underserved by climate finance. In 2019, less than 2% of climate finance reached small-scale producers. This represents a major barrier to sustainable development, food security, and decent livelihoods. In line with its mandate, EFAD is advocated for and contributing to mobilizing climate finance to reach, benefit, and empower small-scale producers with a focus on small-scale women farmers.
3: Okay, and now lastly, how is EFAD coming along in terms of its work on this issue? What will be the
2: main goals of 2022? So EFAD will pursue a three-pronged approach. One, it will continue to put people at the center. That is, who are we working for? Second, it will address their vulnerabilities. And lastly, it will capitalize on their knowledge and strengths. So evidence shows that women are most vulnerable to climate change impacts than men. And at the same time, women and girls are effective and powerful leaders of change maker for climate adaptation and mitigation. There is also evidence that women are involved in sustainability initiatives around the world and that their participation and leadership results in more effective climate action. So it is very key to note these important things. One is to examine the opportunities as well as constraints to empower women and girls to have a voice and be equal partners in decision-making related to climate change. Second, it is important to build the sustainability of intervention Resilience of small scale women farmers and promote gender equality and women's empowerment. And third, it is important to advocate for and mobilize climate finance for small scale producers with a focus on women's producers. So, what will IFAD do? So, IFAD will do five things to deliver on the nexus of gender and climate. Number one, IFAD will continue its co leadership role of the Gender Equality Forum, Feminist Action for Climate Justice. Second, EFAD will mainstream gender consideration in all its climate investments. Third, EFAD will mobilize additional climate finance for which it has a broad range of instruments, including the adaptation for smallholder agriculture program called ASSA+. The next initiative is to continue to implement its climate-related strategies, which includes an updated environment and climate change strategy and action plan, as well as the updated social environment, and climate assessment procedures. And then the last one, EFAD will implement his gender action plan. So in addition to fully mainstream gender consideration across its entire portfolio, EFAD has adopted the more ambitious goal to actually have 35% of his new design be gender transformative. That is to address the root causes of gender inequality. So as you can see, EFAD has committed to a very ambitious agenda for 2022.
1: That was Ndaya Belchika. You can find out more about IFAD's ongoing projects surrounding gender equality at ifad.org forward slash gender
0: that brings us to the end of podcast 29. Thanks to our producer Francesco Manetti and our reporters Doyan Han and Miguel Teran and everyone else who's worked on this program. But most of all, thanks to you for listening to this episode of Farms Food Future brought to you by the International Fund for Agricultural Development.
1: You can find out more about any of these stories at www.efad.org forward slash podcasts. Next month, we will be focusing on biodiversity and talking about rivers in Turkey and climate change in Lesotho with IFAD's biodiversity lead,
0: Rene Ankafyard. Remember, we want to hear from you, what do you think about our stories and the issues discussed and who do you want us to be talking to? So please get in touch at podcasts at ifad.org and send us your voice or text messages to that address and we'll be happy to play you out in the next show. Also... Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast via your favourite
1: podcast platform. And please rate us. We'll be back at the end of March with more news
0: fresh from the farm. And once again, we'll be trying to be good for you, good for the planet and good for the farmers. Until then, from me, Brian Thompson. And from me, Ian Smith and the team here at EFAD. thanks thanks for for listening. listening.